but you need to do what's your own personal best that day. And some days, like you were saying on off days, some days you need to detox, you need to relax. Your own personal best might be actually turning on that meditation music, taking an effort to take care of yourself might be in your own best interest. You're listening to former X Games and World Cup professional skier Jamie Mocrazy. Following a massive skiing accident that left her in a coma with a traumatic brain injury, Jamie had to find the resiliency within herself to restart her life and climb what she calls an alternative peak. The lessons you'll learn in this conversation will help anyone who has ever faced a setback in business or any other area of life. And you're about to hear these powerful, hard-learned lessons now because Jamie is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm bringing on a very special guest, Jamie Mocrazy. She's a World Cup professional skier who performed amazing feats on the slopes of the Dew Tour, X Games, and the AFP World Championships with her whole life in front of her until everything literally came crashing down. And I'm going to let Jamie share her story in a moment rather than share it with you myself because I want her to give you the amazing experience that she's had. And it's, it's a tough experience, but we all go through tough times. And one of the important things I want you to listen for today as we have this conversation is where in your life are you having challenges and difficulties? Where's the decision points you need to make about getting back up on your feet and moving forward again? Because the lessons about resiliency you're about to hear in this conversation are important for everyone. So, Jamie, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You have an amazing background. You have become very accomplished in the world of skiing and have become known in other areas as well now. But can you give us a little bit of a background? How did you, did you always ski since a little girl or what happened there? That's a great question. And it all has to do with resilience. (laughs) So I started skiing when I was one years old because skiing was passed down through my family. My grandmother actually was a World Cup downhill champion, and my great uncle went to the Olympics twice in skiing. And so skiing was part of my family. And now that I became such a good skier, people say, oh, you wanted to start her early to my mom. And she was like, no, I wanted to go out and play with my baby in the way that gives me the most joy, which is on the slopes. So she would bring me out and put me in between her legs, and we would just play. And one of the big tips, in case anyone who's listening happens to be going skiing with kids is keep it short, keep it short, like an hour and give them snacks every time they go (laughs) up the lift. So we just had fun and we went skiing. And then I also was a gymnast. I was always very active and adventurous. And so when I was nine years old, I actually won state championships in gymnastics and I won state championships in skiing. And when I was interviewed, I said my dream ambition was to combine skiing and gymnastics. And that's what slope style skiing is. It's flipping and spinning and combining skiing and gymnastics on snow. It just continued to grow. And I started, I was competing. I was traveling. 
I got onto the professional level in slope style and half pipe skiing. And I was traveling around the world competing. And to get to that level, that's where that whole progression actually has to do a lot with resilience. Because I can tell you when you're learning a new trick, especially like a new rail trick, that's where you like slide down the rail and you do like little switch ups and tricks on it. You will try that trick for hours and you will fall every time or like slide off the rail every single time for hours until you finally get that trick that you've been working for. And it feels so good to get that trick, but that's what resilience is about. You just try over and over again. And so that seemed proved to be a very important thing that I was raised with growing up. My mom, she actually has a master's in psychology and is a PhD candidate in mind body medicine. And she's huge into what we'll get into in the future. (laughs) Some more things that happened in my life. She was a very big part of, but when she was raising me, she taught me how to be my own personal best. And we'll get back to that in a little bit. Yeah, we sure will. And and it's funny you're saying about the tricks and working on I have a 12 year old and a 16 year old still at home. I've got seven kids, but they're mostly grown now. And the 12 year old and 16 year old, they're constantly out on our trampoline and doing different tricks. And I see them, they're out there working. They get so excited. They finally land like the backflip or whatever they're working on. I said, Dad, you got to come see this. And, and so, of course, they'll stop everything, come out and see it. And it does take a lot of work. And then the other day, our 12 year old, you know, does this backflip and lands on his top of his head and, you know, twists his neck and hurts his chest. Like, but he just gets up and keeps on going. I said, you take a break for today. You'll be back at it tomorrow. Because, uh, you know, he was kind of like really kind of down and out for a little bit there. But it's interesting that, like you said, your mom encouraged you by making it fun. But it wasn't about, oh, you have to follow my steps. It's rather, let's just have a good time here and let's enjoy it. I think it's really a great lesson for parents in, in general is we don't have to force our dreams onto our kids. Let them grow and then see the joy in what we already do. and. And maybe they'll follow our footsteps or maybe they won't. But clearly, clearly you did. I didn't know you had that big of a family background, actually, or third generation in skiing. That's amazing. That's really neat. So you also have, as I mentioned in the introduction, kind of a background in competition. And not just you, obviously, but you're here before you all the way back to third generation. But how did you get into competition from just enjoying the slopes? Well, How I got into competition was competing was something I did basically my whole life. So I started competing in gymnastics when I was about five. And when I was at the same age, about five, I was doing this Mighty Might ski program. So every weekend we'd get the kids, we'd get together and we we were on a team and we'd have like little relaxed, but fun races and competitions. And actually a story is we had a competition one day to see who could get the most runs on the mountain. So we were on this lift and see who could get the most runs. And it was one of the old little New Hampshire lifts that was a double and the lift stopped and it stopped and I was right near the top. So it was about like maybe 10 feet over the snow. It wasn't super high up because some people who have gone to like the eight packs that are like 50 feet in the air. No, this was like a two pack that was like 10 feet in the air, but it stopped. And so I didn't want to sit there. And so I jumped off the chairlift into the snow. Oh boy. And then I, 
I just jumped off the chairlift and skied down. And my mom was actually one of the moms who was working at it. And I skied down and I got my check mark and I got back on the lift and went back up again. And then the coaches came down and were like, oh my gosh, what happened to Jamie? Where is Jamie? And mom was like, well, she's back on the lift. She's like somewhere up there. Why? What happened? And they were like, well, because your daughter didn't want to wait for the stopped lift. So jumped off the lift. <laughs> I always had a very competitive personality. And one of the big things that's important when you're competing is to make sure that you're competing against yourself. So too often when people are competitive and it actually doesn't help you perform your best, if you're looking at everyone else and you're judging them and you're competing against them, if you're competing against yourself and your own best, it allows you to achieve even higher than if you're paying attention to everyone else. Yeah. And there's so much more clearly focused too, because you can't control what somebody else does. You can only control what you do, no matter what it is in life, whether it's, you know, how you respond to it to a person's attitude or, or the challenge of, of winning a competition. It doesn't matter. All you can control is yourself. And I love that piece of advice. That's so important that you do have to strive for mastering. But if you're number one, does that mean you just set your laurels because there's nobody close to you anymore? No, you want to still strive for personal perfection and your personal best. And I think that's kind of been your kind of trademark throughout your life from the stories I've read about you and, and how I've read about how you personally put yourself into going for your personal best, like you just said, it's not about the competition. So what happens when you have a down day? Are you Clearly, you're going to have those days. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. How do you define your personal best differently by day? I'm just curious how you think about that. Um, well, you do define your personal best a little bit differently every day. So what I like to do is by performing at your own personal best, That means even if society doesn't think that your own personal best in this instant is very good, if you still perform at your own personal best, it will allow you to achieve greatness. And sometimes your own personal best is walking your dog or it's withdrawing for the Olympics. I was actually interviewed by E! Magazine about Simone Biles and her own personal best was withdrawing from the Olympics. So your own personal best is not what's actually the most successful, what society sees as the most successful thing to be doing, but you need to do what's your own personal best that day. And some days, like you were saying on off days, some days you need to detox, you need to relax. Your own personal best might be actually turning on that meditation music, taking an effort to take care of yourself might be in your own best interest. And so that's what's important to focus on is your own personal best. And when you're having down days, because I do have down days, (laughs) like you mentioned, everyone has down days. And one of the big things I've learned about my down days is when I was younger and competing, I used to kind of try to ignore them. And I knew that I was lucky. My career was great. I was lucky. And so I didn't deserve to feel bad. And that's something that's actually really challenging for a lot of like movie stars and professional athletes who don't feel, they don't admit that they're feeling bad until they've committed suicide or something like that. So one of the things I really realized is that it's okay to have a bad day and it's okay to feel bad and let it all out. Maybe watch a sad movie, listen listen to some haunting music, like let it out. And then once you've let it out, climb an alternative peak. So then start thinking about what went well during your day and just focus on what you accomplished. Cause there's always something 
something positive that you can think about. And if we keep thinking too much about our goals and we're too ambitious and they're too far away, it can be really challenging. So sometimes you just need to, on bad days, do something that has no success to it that's going to be fun for you. Maybe it's making food, maybe it's watching a show, maybe it's hugging your child, like something that makes you happy. Yeah, it's funny you say that because it's really just about being real, it seems to me. We often put up this facade, especially I think the more public facing you are, it's almost like we feel like we have to show we're this person that has no faults or flaws and never has a bad day. And, and that's not real. That's just not real life. And every one of us, like we just said, you know, we, we have days that are not perfect. And we have days that are great. And I think we need to celebrate those great days. But even on the down days, like you said, let it out. Get real with yourself. Don't sit there and wallow in it, but give yourself room. That's okay to, to say, look, you know, this wasn't the best, best day ever, but tomorrow is still coming. And we can still get back up and move forward. And speaking of getting up and moving forward, you certainly have a lot of experience with achieving larger vision type goals and reaching for goals. So what do you think about as far as what's important for you and what do you recommend for people who say, I, I had this big goal and maybe I'm a long ways from it today, but I really want to reach this big goal. What are your thoughts around the idea of setting goals and achieving them? Well, my ideas around that have to do with setting attainable goals. So do you have it planned out to talk about my accident? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to miss that. We kind of like skipped over that a little bit in the beginning because I thought we might do that earlier. And I think maybe we should talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the goals and how the, your accident, because really, Jamie, you've kind of hit major goals twice in your life in a sense because of your accident. And that's really important to talk about. So maybe talk about how your goals were kind of focused on pre-accident. And then let's share about what happened in the accident and how that's changed things, or if it has changed things, I don't even know. Uh, So I'd love to hear that. All right. So before pre-accident, I knew how to be a high performer, like I've mentioned. And part of that had to do with, like I've also mentioned, being your own personal best and setting attainable goals, which are little goals that can reach growth goals. So I was actually just talking to a fabulous speaker, Vince Pacente, recently, and he had the best analogy about this. So if you think about your growth goal as a piece of, as a big pie, a pie, you can't eat the whole pie at once. If you do, you're going to get sick. And some people like me can't even eat the whole pie. So it's going to seem humiliating, overwhelming, sometimes scary how far that goal is that you want to get to. However, you need to just cut a little piece of the pie every day, set a measurable, attainable goal that you know you can accomplish. And as you set those little goals and you take steps, then next thing you know, the pie is all gone and you reach that end, but it's not as scary or as big of a jump. It's just taking little steps every day. So that was a huge thing before my accident, during my accident, and after my accident is setting attainable goals to reach your growth goals. And I want to take a pause for a second there, Jamie, because I know a lot of people have really big goals. And I I agree with you, it's important to have those short-term... I I focus on goals like a week long, two weeks long, especially with my personal clients, coaching clients. I said, look, let's set action steps for the next week. 
what can you accomplish in the next week that's going to move you forward? But when you were setting goals, how far out did you look? I mean, did you, you say, one day I want to be championship skier? Or was it just kind of maybe pie in the sky, literally we talk about pies, right? And you just focused on one step at a time, or was it a kind of a combination? How did that thought process work for you? So I right away had big dreams and big goals. When I was a child, five years old, six years old, you know, sometimes you ask your children, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would tell you, I want to be a professional athlete and go to the Olympics. Straight up. That was my goal (laughs) since I was a child. So I had that in the back of my mind, that goal. As it turned out, I went to X Games and competed on the world tour. And when slopestyle skiing got into the Olympics, I got out of slopestyle skiing. We had the transition. So I always had that big goal. And then about my accident and during the recovery process. So I was competing at world tour finals and I, on my second run, landed my double flip but I caught my edge and I hit my head and my brain started bleeding in eight spots and I hurt my right brainstem, which paralyzed my right side. And I immediately went into a coma. So it was really dramatic. And they actually, my first responders wrote my fatality report when I was airlifted to Vancouver general hospital. So my statistics of recovery were very low and the chances of me to recover back to who I am today were virtually non-existent. But during the whole process, we did my, I did my own personal best and I set attainable goals. And so then all of a sudden, my goals changed. So I still had, as soon as my mind was coming back in the hospital, I was in a coma for 10 days and then I had serious amnesia. So absolutely no memory of that time for six weeks, no memory. And then my memory slowly came back. And so when I had, as soon as my memory started slowly coming back, I knew I wanted to go back to skiing. And at that time, I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs. So it was a big goal in the back of my mind, knowing I I just knew I was going to go back to skiing. It wasn't even that I want to. It was like, this is what's going to happen. But I knew from... (laughs) my history that in order to reach that, I had to focus on the attainable goals. So instead of thinking about it, even though I had it in the back of my mind, instead of focusing and thinking and giving it attention, I gave attention to every day, practicing walking up the stairs and getting to walk up by myself and walking up more flights of stairs and then timing myself. And so um, setting measurable, attainable goals and focusing on those goals. So then I could go back to skiing. I went back to skiing. I no longer compete. I don't uh, ski at that level, but I did go back to skiing. And so I accomplished the big growth goal I had by setting little goals. And it can be challenging in all the different ways that you're doing that. Like I listen to my, I have to listen to myself all the time and my motivational keynote speaking and my Mo Crazy Strong Resilience Company and setting attainable goals to reach these growth goals. And I do have some growth goals for that that I've had the whole time. And setting the little attainable goals can be frustrating in the process because when you're looking at something in the past, it's really easy to say, oh, that makes so much sense. I can see their story. It just makes so much sense why they got there. But when you're in the process, you don't know 
what the end destination is going to be. You don't know what peak you're going to climb. So to just keep taking those steps can sometimes be really scary. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's just amazing that you're even able to go back to the slope. I mean, I'm just blown away, honestly. I've been familiar with your story for a while now, but it's still just thinking about what you've been through and to come out the other side is so inspirational for so many. And it's inspirational to me. And I've, I've never had to face a traumatic brain injury or paralysis or coma or anything like that. But every one of us, we do have some types of challenges in our lives. It may not be that dramatic in the physical sense, or maybe some listening just have or are currently facing that. And I just want to point out that I want you to get to know who Jamie is because she has an impressive company and an impressive track record of helping people overcome. And I just wanted to jump in about that because everyone, as you mentioned, goes through struggles and they're like, everyone does. And it's impossible to listen to how much it should affect you or shouldn't affect you by someone else. So if you're going through a struggle and it's affecting you, you need to deal with it. And as you said at the beginning, you can't control everything that happens to you. However, you can control how you respond to it. So whatever struggle you're facing, don't diminish it or think it's not valuable enough or say, oh, I was listening to this girl who went through a way harder struggle than me. No, you don't know how much support I had, how much media attention I had. Like There was so much support that I received. So yes, I did have to work hard. I'm not saying I didn't, but you would have to work hard for the struggles you're facing as well. So don't diminish them. Great, great advice. Speaking of, of struggles, I mean, one of the things that sometimes we find is we publicly fall flat in our face. And I don't mean like a, a skiing accident necessarily, but I mean, just sometimes we just fail at well, where our intended goal was. We don't hit the goal. We don't hit the mark. Sometimes we don't perform at our personal best. And it can be humiliating. And it can make us feel like, you know, I'm not really who I should be. I feel like a fraud. I feel like we get this little imposter syndrome going on in our head. Uh, this is a, a common buzzword in, in the business industry because it's just really that that insecurity sometimes we have inside and that feeling of either humiliation or or just, I can't feel like I can be real. How, how do you address that? Well, I go through imposter syndrome and feeling that and falling flat on my face all the time, um, especially as I've been developing more crazy strong. Like, you mo anyone who's been following along with my journey and my story and hearing things, they just hear mostly of like working through things. But there are so many times I reach out to someone and I get told no, or I reach out to something. Like there's so many times you fall on your face. And I try to sometimes share that because I do think that like with Instagram and social media, like you only kind of see like the highlight reel of people's lives. And then at the same time, no one really is interested or wants to hear about like when I'm going through challenges, they just want to hear about the successes. That's what I've, I've found. And so just remember that everyone has so many challenges. And what I tend to do is I like to look at the view. It's a metaphor when I left the hospital, I was very weak and I couldn't hike for five minutes without taking a break. And as someone who had been an athlete their whole life, that was really embarrassing. And so I would hike with my friends and family. At that time, I couldn't do anything by myself, but I would hike with other people. 
And I would have to say, guys, I need another break about every five minutes. And so my mom, the psychologist, she said, our words matter. Choose your language. Your language matters so much. So instead of saying, let's take a break, let's say, let's look at the view. And we were always hiking in Park City. And so whenever I wanted to rest my body, I needed to stop the movement. That was my goal. If I said, let's look at the view, there always was a view. Even in the trees, there's a view for you to stop and look at. And then your body gets the rest it wants. And so now that's become a metaphor for every time you're trying to accomplish things and you're going through things and you feel stuck and you're overwhelmed, stop and look at the view and then start going again and take some breaths and really look at the view and then start working. Powerful advice. And I I loved how you talk about the self-talk because we can easily, whether it's expressed outwardly or just internally, talk down to ourselves and that's not productive. It's really easy to just beat yourself up or it's same amount of words to use edifying speech, something that's going to lift you up and also lift up the people around you. Because like you said, and let's look at the view. If you're telling that to a group of hikers, yes, they may recognize, hey, Jamie needs a break. But at the same time, there is a view there. And sometimes we need to take a view, whether it's you know building a business or, or, or hiking. I love to hike as well. I'm, I miss the mountains in New Hampshire. I'm down in Texas now. I'm like, I'm ready to go hiking right now. Just talking about it. I love hiking. And just take the moment and enjoy where you're at sometimes. It's good just to take an assessment. Also, take that rest, take the assessment, and then begin taking next steps forward. That's that's terrific. I'd love to uh, hear a little bit more about what you're doing today with the Mocate Crazy Strong. Talk to us about that. What's going on there? Awesome. I'd love to talk about that. It's been like a lot of work the last couple of years. And, um, We've been changing lots of things and lots of things are developing and bubbling. So what I mean by that is just some examples was I was in college until I graduated in the spring of 2019. And so when I graduated college and I am a little bit older than most of the time when people go to college, but so I graduated college and I wanted to everything that I was working on, turn it professional. So my sister, Jeannie, she started the hashtag Mo Crazy Strong a day after my co- I went into the coma because I had worldwide supporters and lots of media was covering this accident. And so she wanted to bring all the support together. So she actually started it as an Instagram hashtag, hashtag Mo Crazy Strong. And so it brought everything together. And then we continued using that. And we actually made little uh, Live Strong bracelets that we gave to all my supporters and continued to use the hashtag when I left the hospital. And then the next year, so when it was uh, New Year's Day on 2016, I got it a tattoo on my wrist that says Mo Crazy Strong. So I can always look down on it because it's so powerful for us. And so that has continued to grow a little bit as I was recovering. It took years of recovery. So there was like the hospital stage, the post-hospital stage, outpatient therapy. And then when all my therapies stopped, uh, insurance covered therapy stops, I continued to do more boot camps and more stuff for my brain and take more supplements and my food choice and my cognition and my emotional took years and years to calm down. And that's an invisible deficit that you can't really 
See? So it's really challenging because for you to feel like you're having these emotional outbursts that aren't you, but you're not sure like why you don't feel like you and why you can't control yourself. I mean, I could talk a while about how challenging that is. But anyways, so I went back to college and that was also part of my healing process because my mom, who, as you'll get in this conversation, has a lot of great ideas, thought that I needed to have a teacher judge me and not her and someone else and be able to like communicate and like learn how to be a teenager again and like learn how to be a young adult again. Um, and the best thing to do that would be to go to college. So we were at a rally and she put me, went to the rally next to the Westminster kids, which is a college I went to in Salt Lake City. And she got asked them all these questions about how much they loved it. And then I had an interview the next day and they were really excited because they had Westminster knew my story. And so they wanted me to come. And so it just rolled. But my point is that she did the same thing she did with like skiing. She didn't force me to go to college. She just surrounded me with the people who would tell me that I should go to college with them because <laughs> she thought it was the right thing for me to do. Smart mom. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went to college and then when I was at college, so we always would get contacted by families who had gone through a traumatic brain injury and needed some advice. And so we were doing that a little bit. And so then I was trying to make it professional and we were trying to do a documentary in 2019. And we had actually gotten to the part where we were going to have a company that does a lot of the production for X Games and was trying to step into the documentary field. And they were flying out. They had already booked their tickets to fly out to Park City to finalize the contract March of 2020. I think we all know what that <laughs> was about. <laughs> that put a little, little hold on that. So we realized as this is all growing, like we're trying to create this company basically with a global pandemic. And so like a brain injury, we can't control the global pandemic. We can't control what we cannot do. We can't control the changes it's made, but we can control how we react to it. So we started to think about the things that we could do that we actually currently could do to better ourselves and strengthen the company. And so like we redesigned the website, we worked with a team on that, um, that took months. <laughs> and then we've been, so in 2019, we made Mo Crazy Strong an LLC. And then we've been working with an attorney. And actually just today, I found out that the conversion happened. And so Mo Crazy Strong is turning into Mo Crazy Strong Inc., a nonprofit. So then the work that we do for traumatic brain injury, because we do a lot of educational work for that. And we can just support like someone else contacted me today, who is a physical therapist, and he wanted me to come, he wanted our whole family for education to come to speak at an event. And so that kind of speaking, that's directly like, it's for survivors for traumatic brain injury survivors that we're working on getting like grants to fund it or whatever, but we don't get direct money from the participants because survivors from traumatic brain injury, they've had to use so much unexpected funds and the caregivers, it's for survivors and caregivers. And so it's just robbed them. They've had like, it, it's crazy. I can only imagine so, with the expenses of that, that's gotta be incredibly high expensive. And just, even if you have insurance, that's just the going to the hospital, going to the therapy, the transportation, probably hospital stays for many. 
that's just got to be a huge investment just for the re- initial recovery, not to mention the long-term recovery like you described. Yeah. And in my case, I had a secondary insurance company because I was a professional athlete called Global Rescue. And so they bring you from wherever you are in the world to where you want to be. So eight days after my crash, when I was still in the coma, I was airlifted. I was medically airlifted on a Learjet from Canada back to the US. And that, if I didn't have a secondary insurance company, that was $100,000. And so we paid a lot less than that. But as you said, it's very expensive. Like the first week, like when I was in the ICU on all everything that I was on and, and all that stuff, it was like 50K a day type of treatment stuff. So it's very expensive. And so even if you have insurance and you're paying like 5,000 for the jet and then 5,000 for this and 5,000 for that, next thing you know, it's like 50,000 or 30,000 out of your own pocket. So by changing to a nonprofit, we can deliver opportunities and education complementary to TBI survivors. And then as far as my motivational keynote speaking goes to corporate companies, obviously I get, have a salary and I get paid. Well, I get paid. I have a payment for all of those. And I can talk for a while about Crazy Strong, but we're always making these changes. And I was actually interviewed by Forbes and then also interviewed by Ski Canada, by Forbes um, in like June-ish. And then Ski Canada this fall in like September. And both of them, without me saying it, said that we were a nonprofit. And we've been thinking, because we were trying to do some work with the Traumatic Brain Injury Fund in Utah and all these things. And they were all for it. And then they found out we were a for-profit company. And we're like, oh, well, we actually can't help with it anyway. And so we were thinking about it for like three months I was thinking about switching before I started taking action, like more action. And then we found an attorney company that we really wanted to work with. So anyways, there's just been a lot of those steps. So we, currently, it's not like you just mentioned like today you had found you were incorporated as a nonprofit then at this point, or what is that? Is that the still, change? We're still kind of, I think it's still a little bit of transition. Today is the day that I got an email from the attorney that said, that the conversion paperwork was approved by the state of Utah. And that's, so that's a process that I'm sure there's some business owners that's like, you know, this is really more of a, a fit for a nonprofit like you. And I, I think it's maybe a smaller subset, of course, but that's an interesting story in itself. I might have to talk about that whole transition at some point. Maybe bring it back on just to talk about how do you transition from a from a profit to a nonprofit? And yeah. maybe talk about that once you get through this whole process that you're going through, because that, that'd be really interesting to, to maybe cover at some point. Yeah, I'd be down to come back. But yeah, so with Mo Crazy Strong, it's just a lot of process, lots of website stuff, lots of change, working on PR. It's really exciting because right now it's really exciting. And it has to do with exactly what we were talking about. This is another replication of you're setting all these attainable goals. So what could we do? Work on the website. What could we do? So little attainable goals. And there was no visible results for a while. And like I was doing this, like some days I'd have like eight hours. Some days I'd spend 12 hours, like full-time. This is my full-time career. And I wasn't getting visible results. And I wasn't getting monetary results. 
And then in this past week, I have been messaged by different speaker bureaus, so different agents from speaker bureaus. And I've been messaged from different individuals, like five different corporate speaking events and like three different nonprofit events. And so it's beginning to come together in that sense. And then also this weekend, I was messaged by two families who are the family caregivers of TBI survivors telling me how my story helped them sleep at night and gave them the hope that they could come back and look at what they've done and all these things. And it made me cry. (laughs) I started to tear up. And that's part of the reason why we do all this is because we believe that I had so much fortune with the education and background my mom had on brain injury and like brain development and psychology made a huge difference. And my little sister, Jeannie, she's the other member, uh, founder of Mo Crazy Strong. And she um, has done multiple event planning situations and stuff. So she's planning our events. We have one coming up this winter called Namaski, which is a yoga mindset retreat in Park City, Utah. And you can find out more information about that on our website. So yeah, let's mention that too. That's, is that a Mo Crazy Strong website? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, the, so the website is Mo Crazy, M O C R A Z Y Strong, S T R O N G dot com, Mo Crazy Strong dot com. And if you look under retreats, you can find out more information about the Namaski. It's going to be a yoga skiing mindset retreat. So there's just a lot of really exciting things that are happening for all of us. And Jeannie is competing on the half pipe world tour. And the last couple of years, she's been having a few injuries, knee injuries and stuff, which has been pretty challenging because, you know, as an athlete, you can't, (laughs) even if you try and you work out all the time, you can't stop the injuries from happening. And so just this fall, she was at a training camp in Switzerland and then Austria, and she was really happy and pleased with how she's been skiing. And she's going to all the Olympic qualifiers this winter and she's feeling really good. So it'll be exciting. I'm actually going to watch her in Colorado at the beginning of December, right before I fly to a speaking gig in Georgia. So I'm really happy that she's happy and accomplishing things. So that's tremendous. It's just truly a family effort. And I love how the family is really the center of, of not just your recovery, but moving forward and helping others too, while pursuing your own personal individual dreams. I think that's great. So in a kind of maybe a paragraph, you might say, how would you describe what Mo Crazy Strong does? Who would best benefit from Mo Crazy Strong? Who who should reach out to you? That's a great question. So Mo Crazy, so there's kind of two, two lanes. So everyone says choose a lane and stick to a lane, but we have two lanes. We choose two lanes and we stick to two lanes. <laughs> and so our two lanes are one is corporate audiences, events, meeting planners who want a keynote that will motivate and help their audience understand how to climb an alternative peak after COVID. We've all encountered a trauma recently that has made changes. And so we all need to know how to climb an alternative peak. So that's that's one venue. And then the other venue is through and. In that venue, the the corporate venue is like our luxury retreat as well. If you would 
we, we have one, you arrive March 17th and you leave March 20th. And that's a set one that individuals can buy tickets to and stuff. And then also we do custom travel incentives for different companies. So what I mean by that is other Namaski events. So if you are connected to doing something like that and you want to bring your company out as a reward for working so hard and you want to bring your company, like 20 people in your company out for a Namaski event, we will help work with you and and run that. So that's like the one department. And then the other side we do is a lot of give back. It's our give back to traumatic brain injury survivors and caregivers. And we do some education. Last week we were speaking, my mom and I were, Grace and I were speaking at a convention in actually Salt Lake City about uh, critical cases. And it was broad. It was beyond just TBI, but we were speaking on person-centered planning, which we have uh, federal certifications in person-centered planning. And we also are certified in as a peer support specialist. So we do peer guiding and things like that. So that's our give back side of things. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's always important to have a mindset of service to others. That's whether you're in for profit or not. I think serving others is really what life is about. And I know for me personally, in the business side of what I do here, one of the ways to do that is through Kiva.org because I like to help other entrepreneurs. My vision is to help more people be able to have that control of starting their own business and, and growing something that they love and can, can not just survive that, but thrive with in their life. And I think that's, that's wonderful that you have used the experiences you've, you've had and your family because your family has been through a trauma as well. Maybe not the physical, but certainly the emotional and, and the, the entire experience can either completely divide a family or bring it closer together. I'm so thankful that it sounds like your family has grown so much closer together as a result of this. And that's something that we need support on. And I would encourage listeners, if you are in a situation where you'd like to have that kind of support or you need that kind of support, definitely look at Jamie's organization. This is something that I believe a lot of people will benefit from. And speaking of, you know, you've heard Jamie's story of resiliency as well. And, and, even just get this more crazy strong going, COVID whammy, right? On March 2020, when she's supposed to have a documentary happening, and then all of a sudden everything goes sideways. And that happened to a lot of us. But that's really what resiliency is. It's like, okay, well, that's not where we're going to be climbing today. Right now, we're going to climb this peak. It's the alternative peak, she said. And talking of resiliency, I just want to invite you back because Jamie has very graciously agreed to come on in January for the Solopreneur Success Connections community to talk about resiliency. And I guarantee you, if you've not had a setback yet in business, you, you haven't been in business very long. You, need to, you just need to be prepared. And this time will give you an opportunity to really prepare yourself to handle setbacks and to move forward despite setbacks. And you'll be able to find the date for that training on our member site. And membership is free as always. Just go to solopreneurcoach.com forward slash membership and you can find that. But Jamie, anything you'd like to share with the audience today? Because I know we're going to talk again in January. I'm really excited about that training. And that's a live training. And by the way, if you're at the live training, it's free for everybody who's a member. And membership's free. So no reason not to be there. They can ask you a question directly through the Q&A panel that we always do in our, our live trainings. But anything you'd like to share with our listeners today that would be really helpful, do you think, regarding resiliency? Well, I'll just share. I know I shared our website, but I'm also very active on Instagram. 
Jamie Mo Crazy and my stories. And I've heard a lot of very positive things about getting to know me as a person is what you kind of feel like. And so you can reach out on that. And if you message me, I will respond. So that's the other thing I was going to mention. And I have a Mo Crazy Strong Facebook page and on either of those two, or if you send an email, um, which you can find on the website, mocrazystrong at gmail.com. We're very responsive. So you'll hear back. So that's just something I wanted to share. And as far as being resilient, I think it all comes down to really performing at your own personal best as you set attainable goals. And there's a lot of things we, we talked about and discussed, but your mind and you have the power to create the outcome that you want if you take steps to get there. And you can't control everything. I dreamed I wanted to go to the Olympics for a very long time and I'm never going to compete in the Olympics. However, I can honestly say that mountain was amazing. And this mountain that I'm climbing, I almost feel is more powerful because I can reach out to more people and help more people, which for me makes me feel wonderful. And so just know that if something's happened that's permanent and you're like, well, I can't fix this, then just take a deep breath and climb an alternative peak because there are things you can't fix, but you can always climb alternative peaks. Well said, Jamie. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can download the show notes for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 047. If you're listening to this before Monday, January 10th, 2022 at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, I'd like to personally invite you to join Jamie and me for the live training she'll deliver at that time to all members titled Climb an Alternative Peak After COVID. As always, these training sessions are free to attend for all members and membership is free at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash membership. Or just look for the link on the show notes page at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 047. Thank you for listening.